Hey, before we get started, we want to thank today's sponsors. The first one is Zeller Electric. They're a local company that handles your electrical needs. We also want to thank Josiah Candler with Young Living. Josiah offers valuable insight on essential oils and the amazing products that Young Living has to offer. Stay tuned later on because we have a special offer from both people that you're going to want to take advantage of. Thanks for listening. Hi listeners, welcome back to the H&H Hour. We're so glad to have you with us for this hour. My name is Heather Taves and I am one of the co-hosts of this show alongside my sister Heidi Bolt and she's sitting right next to me. Hi listeners, we're so glad that you're back. If you are a first time listener, we want to say welcome. We are excited to have you. And we are excited. I think this hour is going to really bless you. I know. I know. I'm super. We say this about so many guests, Mm -hmm. but then there are those that you're just like, oh, I'm so, so, so excited for this one. So what's been going on in your week? Um, So my mom blessed me in the most massive way yesterday. My husband is traveling for work and um, she was in my home yesterday morning and I think she could sense some exhaustion on my part. You know, and sometimes you need people who are willing to just kind of tell you how the next little bit is going to go. And um, she said, why don't I take your three kids and give you 24 hours alone Mm -hmm. and they can spend the night and you can just do whatever you want to do. And I started to resist and I Mm -hmm. said, no, 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 no. I'd rather, I would rather you do that for me on a night that Kip's home so that we can Mm -hmm. have a date night and I can be with him. And Mm -hmm. she's like, well, I can do both. You know, Mm -hmm. she's like, I think you need a break. And so that was such a blessing to me. Um, I can't remember the last time I spent 24 hours by yourself alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was refreshing mm-hmm. and just gave me some space mm-hmm. to do things that I don't normally get to do or that I do do, like mm-hmm. open my Bible, but I have to kind of rush through it or yeah. be interrupted or yeah. um, just not be still, not rest, yeah. you know. Go get a pedicure. Yeah, so I went and got a pedicure, and I was just quiet. Yeah, you didn't have to rush <laughs> so, home right away. Yeah, That's yeah. so good. So we that was say, a huge blessing. We say this all the time, but truly, our mother is one of a kind. I mean, she, I don't know anyone like her. I don't know anyone that serves like she serves us. No, no, she's so sacrificial, mm-hmm. and she always has been. Yeah. And she's... And she always does it with such a good attitude, at least to yeah. our face, yeah. you know? <laughs> if she has a bad attitude about it, we don't ever know it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I say this often, and listeners are probably like, okay, we've heard you say this, but I truly could not do the season of life I'm doing mm-hmm. as far as ministry goes and podcasting if it weren't for mom. Yeah. So it would just be too, it'd be too stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But so she good. loves us well. That's awesome. Well, Heidi, I'm like I said, really excited about today's guest because he happens to be one of our brothers. Yes. And not just one of our brothers, but our baby. The baby brother. Brother. Mm -hmm. So would you all, H&H listeners, help us welcome our baby brother, Stephen Bennett, to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah. You're not really a baby anymore. I'll always be the baby of the family. (laughs) And I accept that, and it's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but Stephen, um, we know you so well. Uh, I remember the day you were born like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I can look back and remember all of these different moments of your life of, you know, you being a little toddler and mm-hmm. how you would talk and the way your voice sounded. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, I truly feel like I got to sort of be like a mama to you um, mm-hmm. because we are 16 and a half years apart. 
And the day, the day after you were born, I crashed the car. Um, it was an <laughs> emotional week. <laughs> so that was, that was interesting. But I remember, I remember being so upset because here I had just like ruined the week of your birth in my 16 year old mind. That's Aww. what it felt like. Um, but I'm so glad that that didn't have any long-term effects on your life well mom did throw me on the bed uh, to go see you at the car crash so that might have had some effects but we'll we'll see that could just be separate oh man so tell us a little bit about yourself I know a lot of people you know we say tell us about your spouse and your hobbies and your job and you're not married so tell just tell us about Steven yeah absolutely um I'm the youngest of seven like you guys said I'm the baby of the family I'm so close to all of my older siblings it kind of seems like it needs to be the place to start you know my relationship with you guys and the other siblings and my parents uh, it's really been a huge blessing in my life just to have those friends and role models uh, you know like you said it's it's siblings but it's also parental figures and people that I can look up to in these ways um, at this point in my life I'm a student um, and I, I like to, to mean it in a broader sense. Uh, you know, I'm both in college, but it's a point in my life where I can learn and that's what my life's devoted to. And that's a really incredible thing and a really, really special opportunity. I just graduated from Hillsdale College. It's a little school in Michigan. Uh, there I studied uh, economics and journalism. So I love the free market. I'm a big, big free market guy. Um, and in the fall, I'll be heading to the University of Michigan uh, to start law school. Um, so it's been something I've wanted to do for a while, and it's kind of exciting to see that come to fruition. And it's terrifying, but it's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. Um, in the summers, I work at Mount Holly Country Club. I've been working in the bag room there for four years. Uh, when I first started, it was going to be one summer and one summer only. And I work for some really great guys over there, and they're really, really fair to me. And we have a really good membership at the country club, and I keep coming back because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a very big testament to a lot of things, especially on my boss's part. I have actually, not to interrupt you, but to interrupt you, um, <laughs> I have met people out in public who have said things to me like, oh, Heidi Bennett Bolt, are you related to Stephen Bennett? And they know you from Mount Holly. <laughs> so members that you've served for four years now. Well, thank you so, for sharing that. And awesome. so we uh, clearly look enough alike that they recognize yeah. me through you. Yeah, cookie cutter kids, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, as far as hobbies go, they're pretty normal. I love baseball. Uh, I love talking about it. I love playing it. Uh, as, as all my other brothers have said on this podcast, um, <laughs> I started a club baseball team up at uh, Hillsdale, and that was a lot of fun and just a goofy thing we did and uh, something that really brought me a lot closer to a lot of guys. It was really cool. Uh, I love hockey. I'm a big Flames fan uh, because of Chris, obviously. Um, and then other than that, I, I just I like to have fun. I, I do work a fair amount, but life's a lot of work and also it should be a lot of fun uh, you know c.s lewis says joy is the serious business of heaven mm. um, and i think that's true here it's if you're not having fun in life you're missing something mm. so oh, I, I love that so much mm-hmm. so i love to hang out with friends and family uh, i love playing video games if they're ones i can play with friends i love spending time with my nieces and nephews and basically anybody that's around and just wants to enjoy a day mm. um, so any way you can do that i think is really important mm. can you tell us what you did when you were in high school um, at one of the, I think it was a basketball game or a football game. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. It had something to do with a Bible story. and. So in high school, I led our student section. We were called uh, the Red Sea. Um, and so we would get dressed up and do funny theme nights and 
and just be goofy and and have chance and it was it was a lot of fun it was probably my favorite part of high school uh, but then in one of the playoff basketball games my senior year because we were the red sea i dressed up full out as moses and we probably had 200 students at this game and split our student section and crawled up the seats in between it and had them all fall back in and it was it was fun and goofy and there's a picture of it somewhere. It might still be my Twitter banner, actually, if I'm being honest. So it was it was a lot of fun, but it was also pretty crazy. And okay, be honest. Did you ever get in trouble for any of your stunts in high school? Because you had some pretty interesting ones. Yeah. Uh, if, Mom, you could put this on mute for a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, I, I had a running joke because first hour every day I was what was called an office helper. All that really meant, instead of having a study hall, I, I sat in the office and I'd run passes or packages or whatever they needed for them. Brown and, knows all the teachers. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And we had a standing joke that our dean, uh, the night after a home game, would just be standing at his door. And as soon as I walked in, would just motion me over with two fingers. <laughs> and uh, one time he, I sat down and he was a little upset about some of the chants we had done. And they were never, they were never obscene. Uh, in reality, I squashed a lot of the really bad ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, I mean, they would, you know, make fun of people oh, on the fun. other team yeah. for shooting an air ball or things like that. Yeah. And finally, one time he goes, Stephen, how many more times do we have to have this conversation? And, uh, you know, as a, as a cocky 18-year-old that didn't have a great, great filter, I said, well, how many more home games are there? <laughs> and that was not the answer he wanted to hear. And I had to apologize for that one real quickly. Um, but never, never any serious trouble. We, we kept it pretty pretty fair so I do have to say that one of the traits that whether it's a good trait or a bad trait that's still to be determined some people think it's good some people think it's bad is sarcasm uh, yep you know mm -hmm. and we have a heavy dose of it in our we family do. and some people just they don't get sarcasm right. they look at you like you've lost your freaking mind <laughs> mom gets mad at me for being too sarcastic on Twitter a lot she thinks people <laughs> don't get it yeah. one thing I think is so cool about you is you do not carry that typical like baby of the family so you're the slacker at mm. all you have such a strong work ethic and I respect that about you so much mm -hmm. I feel like I love how you mentioned that you love to work but you love to have fun yeah because a lot of times people that have that super drive to be successful and to work struggle to then enjoy life yeah. but I feel like from my perspective as your big sister I feel like you strike a really good balance um, of working hard and playing hard enjoying life so, well done. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a really important dichotomy, and it's one that at certain points in my life I have struggled with to just get too caught up in things. And um, But I do think it's really important to enjoy the people you're with and enjoy the things you're doing because yeah. life's not about work. It's good to have a good work ethic, mm -hmm. and I would have gotten my, my butt whipped by you guys if I didn't, and I think that's <laughs> part of the being the youngest and still having that. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot more to life than that, and it's both the people and the things you're doing that you have to enjoy. Yeah, that's really good. So we ask all of our guests these same two questions, and I'm really excited to hear your answer because I feel like it's just going to be interesting. What about yourself or your life do you think is ordinary? Yeah, I, I have been thinking about this one a fair bit uh, because my initial answer was way too uh just milk toast, uh, uh -huh. and that's actually the one I ended up going to because I think it's the correct answer and it flows really well from what we were just talking about. I think just my everyday, uh, you know, I think a summer, my summer is a really good microcosm of that. A lot of times it feels like I wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe do play a few video games or read a little bit in there, but it's just 
every day is just wake up and repeat and every day is just normal and nothing exciting um and with that comes a lot of struggles you know and and you start to notice things and maybe sometimes how you treat people maybe people i work with at the country club that i see for 40 hours every week and in our job you very much depend on the other people because you work together you're doing the same job um, and i think that can be i think that can produce some struggles in you and just familiarity can breed contempt and it can mm-hmm. be really hard to see those people as individuals every day when you go in to work with them especially some of those that maybe don't work quite as hard or haven't been there as long mm-hmm. and it's really easy to see them as something that's just producing work for you they're just mm-hmm. their labor mm-hmm. um yeah and that's obviously not what they are um and so that and then just day in and day out everybody has the things they struggle with um and I think that can really make you feel very ordinary when you look at those things that maybe you struggle to overcome or that keep creeping back into your life and you think, I thought I beat this or Mm -hmm. I thought I had got my heart or my mind in a better place on this Mm -hmm. and then you have it. And I think that's something that really humbles people very Mm -hmm. quickly and it's definitely been true in my life. I think so many listeners can relate to that of... I mean, I, I just feel ordinary today because I'm still up against this same struggle yeah. or my mundane looks exactly the same as it did last week. So yeah, I think that's so relatable. So then on the flip side, another thing we ask every guest is what about you or your life is extraordinary? Yeah, absolutely. I kind of have two answers for this. One is the more, um, something more personal about me, but the one I want to start with is I just want to say my opportunities. Uh, I've been given great opportunities in my life. Um, Isaac Newton's famous for saying, if I've seen further, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm. And I like to adapt that and say, if I've gone further, it's because I've been carried by giants. Mm. Um, you know, my, my parents and my professors and my siblings and my friends, so many people have helped give me these opportunities to be where I'm at with my education and uh, with, with where I'm going to be going forward doing that. And very little of it is things I could have controlled in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been given some opportunities that are just, just incredible. And I, I want to not lose sight of how special that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know my brother Matthew, when he was on, talked about being, you know, American and being as, as blessed as we are in this country. And for me, it goes even further than that. You know, I'm, I'm blessed among the blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's really incredible and, and something I think we need to not, not lose sight of. Um, but then, you know, more personally, because I know it's a little bit more what you're asking. Um, I feel like I've always had a pretty good ability to bring people together behind something. Um, mm-hmm. So be it starting that club baseball team up at school and getting people to buy in or uh, leading the bag room at Mount Holly. Just finding what it is that makes people rally behind something and exploiting that in a good way and in mm-hmm. a way that makes them want to be better for a common purpose mm-hmm. or drive more at something. Mm-hmm. Um I had a member out of the country club once. I try, I try to get to know our members, just especially since I've been there so long. You can only ask them how the weather or how the golf game was so often. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I asked him what business he was in, and he, he's kind of an eccentric guy. He said, Stephen, I'm in the people business. Mm-hmm. And then he never told me what he actually did, but he said, everybody's in the people business. Yes. And the sooner you understand that, the better. Mm. And that really kind of struck me because even if you aren't, working with customers or clients, you're working with coworkers mm-hmm. and um, life's of people business. And uh, the better we can be at it, the better our relationships are going to be and the more successful you'll be. But that's kind of on the back burner. 
So I have got to point this out because I feel like, I, I do agree with you. I think that the first part of your answer, God has given you some incredible opportunities, but you, Stephen, have stewarded them so well. Mm-hmm. You have, um, you know, the Bible talks about like putting your hand to the plow. You have worked so hard. You you got outstanding grades. I mean, the Bible also says, let another man praise you and not your own lips. Like <laughs> your grades in high school, your grades in college, um, your ability, your ACT test, oh my goodness, like off the charts, outstanding. So you have done a really good job of being very thorough and being very diligent and um, putting your mind to what God has in front of you. So I think some people could hear that and think like, oh, he's just had everything handed to him. He's just kind of skated right in, but you haven't, you have been so faithful. And I think that's why your perspective feels like, man, God's just given me these great opportunities but you have stewarded them so well. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us how old you are. 22. 22. Mm-hmm. I am. It makes me feel a tiny bit old. <laughs> well, I just, I just have to say I'm so encouraged, Heidi. Mm-hmm. I've, over the last several weeks, we've gotten to interview several 20-somethings and the wisdom and the maturity and the um, way that they have communicated so clearly mm-hmm. their stories and mm-hmm. their beliefs has blown me away. I know. And I am just saying right here and right now, we put a stop mm-hmm. to this whole idea of millennials and 20-somethings being a, a generation that is going to ruin the world and that is going to, yeah. you know, just be lazy because I am seeing the opposite. I agree. And I, I sit here and I listen to you, Stephen, and I think w- our future and our children's future is so blessed yeah. to have people like you and people like the 20-somethings that we've interviewed be the ones who are going to be the next leaders. And because your passion and your your um, willingness to ask the hard questions mm-hmm. and not just be okay with status quo. And so I just want to say, well done. I'm so encouraged mm-hmm. by you being a 22-year-old young man who has such wisdom. Thank you. You know, I, I think there's a, a common misconception about people in my age group that we're very self-centered and that everything's driven around us because of you know the technology generation and everything like that. And to a certain point, that is definitely true. Sure. Um, but I also think that people of my age group have a real desire to help each other and to to see each other and to make the world a better place. And sometimes that gets misguided politically or whatever sure. you may have, but I, I see a real desire to help each other and to yeah. care for people and to notice people. Uh, I don't know where that comes from, but it's something that I think it's missed often. Yeah. And it's something that's really encouraged me about about that whole age range and yeah. and where we're going in that. Yeah. I agree with that so much. An example in my own life, just yesterday I had a young mom who has a little boy who's my little boy's age and they're good buddies. And she was dropping him off for a play date. And so she came in and she's a friend of mine, but she came in and my groceries had just gotten delivered and she just started taking it upon herself to, which she's had meals in my home, so she knows my kitchen somewhat, just start putting away my groceries for me. And then she started emptying my dishwasher for me. And then she filled my dishwasher for me with my dirty breakfast dishes. And I was just standing back. I was caring for some of the kids and, you know, kind of helping alongside. And I was, again, Heather, with you, so encouraged at what I saw coming out of this mid-20, young something, you know, 20-year-old, and thinking of podcasting you and thinking of our previous guests who have been in their 20s of how truly gifted you guys are. Mm -hmm. Um, What, Stephen, would you say is something you really love 
about your generation of the 20 somethings? I love our willingness to put our money where our mouth is. Uh, there's a lot of, for instance, political activism. Uh, and the irony is that I disagree with a lot of the political activism that's going on. Uh, but it's people willing to stand up for what they truly believe mm. and what they truly think is right. Uh, and sometimes that can be misguided or sometimes we can think that's off. But I would much rather be a part of a generation that's willing to stand up and say something or do something um, when they can focus it the right way than people that want to say they have these strong beliefs and sit on their hands. Yeah. Um, and it's it's pretty, pretty across the board, um, I feel like, at, at the age level that I'm at. Uh, and that's cool to see. I mm. really like to see people that are active in, in whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point, you can try to talk to people about maybe what they're doing or how they're doing it. Sure. But it's a lot harder to talk somebody into action than it is to changing their action. So true. Mm. That's, That's what Jesus said, do and teach. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Okay. So let's go back for a moment to your status in our family. Okay. <laughs> um, like you mentioned, you're the baby of seven kids. I happen to be the oldest and you're the youngest, mm -hmm. which is uh, fun to talk about because there's a lot of kids and a lot yep. of years between us. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I got married, you were three or four. <laughs> and adorable. And uh, you were our tiny little <laughs> ring bear. And you are so little, in fact, that I have pictures of you sitting on my husband's lap and being snuggled by him. And that wasn't right after you got married either. That was after you guys had already moved back to Morton. Yeah, so you that were like was, 16. Yeah, that, yeah right. <laughs> I just got off to come do this podcast. I'm gonna, we're going to go get a snuggle after this. <laughs> so you really don't even remember life uh, without Chris, my husband, in no, it. No, I don't. Yeah. So That's talk crazy. to us about being the youngest and what the struggles have been and what the advantages are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, advantage, I can get away with anything. Um, <laughs> mom and dad are so much less strict than they used to be. That is so true. <laughs> the, Amen to that. The way has been paved. Um, no, I think the real advantage is, is, is just having so many older friends and mentors that have one kind of forced me into maturity at every stage along the way. Uh, but just having so many people to come to. Uh, I spent a lot of nights, you know, spending the night on one of your guys' couches or sitting around your guys' dinner table. Uh, and I've learned a lot through that. And I've had a lot of people, you know, there's always things maybe you don't want to take to mom and dad or to other adults. Um, but you have your siblings. Mm -hmm. And that's been incredible. And I know that any of you guys, I can call you at any time and get that advice and get that, um, that insight that, I can't get from my friends or from necessarily people my own age. Um, there's not a lot of disadvantages. I, I really thought about this one, and I know there's supposed to be some some disadvantages to being the youngest, and I haven't really experienced any of that. I love being compared to my older siblings. I, I consider it a huge honor. It's one of the things everybody says, well, you're always walking in their shadow. Mm. I don't see that as the case at all. The, mm. To be compared to my older siblings when from people that have known them is a huge honor. Because I look up to them all so much. So if they see some reflection of that in me, uh, then I'm thankful for that. Um, and I don't think that means you can't kind of carve your own way or do your own thing. It just means that they're seeing the best qualities of that person and they see it reflected in you. And that's mm. really, really special. Be honest. Do you feel like you had five extra parents? Maybe three. 
<laughs> are they all female? No. No. <laughs> are no. they all the top three? At, at times, I feel like I had five, ex- six extra parents, and at times, I felt like I had zero extra parents and six really good friends, and yeah. it's yeah. you know it's right there in the middle as it should be. Yeah. Um, I know that any of you will be there to talk about things without giving me a lecture if you don't think a lecture is what I need. But I also, like I said, know you'll be there to whip me in the behind if, <laughs> if I get out of line. So it's good yeah. to have both. Yeah. This we, might this might ahead. be going back uh, to too many details for you, Stephen, so we can cut this out if you don't want us to say this. But Uh-oh. when you were eight, you um, had appendicitis, yep. and you almost lost your life. We right. almost lost you a couple times Mm -hmm. and God was so faithful to spare your life. And I know it was for a purpose, but I remember, um, I was a kid's pastor at that time and I was running a fall retreat and I remember them coming into my cabin and waking me up because I didn't have cell service or something. I don't know. We were out in the boonies (laughs) and, uh, coming in, someone must've, they must've gotten a hold of someone and they came in and they said, Stephen is really, really sick. We need to pray. And you know, as a, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods, like that's a horrible thing to hear yeah. that your little eight-year-old brother is is yeah. on death's door. And so I remember, you know, coming home from that camp and coming into your hospital room and and you had come back from the worst part of, you know, being really, really sick. You were still recovering. You had a lot of recovery ahead of you. But I remember sitting by your bed for hours and you mm-hmm. wanted to hear stories. Mm-hmm. You were like, Heather, tell me another story. And because you you wanted to be at that camp and here you were in a hospital bed and mm-hmm. you wanted to hear all the stories. And I just remember sitting by your bed and telling you, I think I had to make up stories <laughs> because I told you all the stories I could think of from camp. And then I just had to start making some up. But I'll never forget that. It'd be just your sweet little face laying there on that bed and just my head right by you laying up there on that bed with you and telling you all the stories that I could think of. So I'm so glad that God spared your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it, this is kind of uh, an aside from that story, but it just made me think of a conversation I was having with Haley last night. Uh, Haley's my girlfriend. Um, She's been on this podcast. She has been on this podcast. She's so she precious. did great. Um, and we were talking about stories. We were talking about reading and just the impact that those have on mm. on us and on as people and and what it is about us that loves to hear stories. And I've always mm-hmm. loved stories and I've always loved it, whether it's you telling them to me or I've loved, loved books on tapes just because I love the stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's really interesting the role that stories play in our life that mm-hmm. to kind of both distract us from something. You know, at that time, that's what it was for me. It was right. a distraction from a lot of pain. Right, yeah. But also to teach us something or to show us something or give us an insight into something we can't experience you know, on our own, we can experience it through words or through stories. And I think that's really incredible. Yeah. Well, and from my perspective, so I was there in the ER with him that night with our parents. And I think a couple of our brothers, maybe, I, I can't remember now, but um, he, was, he was so sick. He had so much infection in his body. He, it had ruptured and they did not know it. Um, and he, um, a nurse had accidentally given him way too much medication. Mm-hmm. And so... He was septic, but then he also was over-medicated, and he started to tell mm. all of the siblings and all of the family members goodbye mm-hmm. who were not in that room. Yeah. And um, I remember just it striking such awareness in me that we had to battle in that moment. Yeah. And I at first remember thinking, I'm kind of nervous to pray out loud because there's all of these medical people in here, and they're yeah. going to think I'm crazy. Yeah. But then realizing that I think there's something bigger going on here. I yeah. think there's some darkness here that we've got to fight against, and I just remember 
mom and mom and I specifically started praying out loud over him. Yeah. And we started to rebuke that yeah. darkness of yeah. like, no, you do not get Stephen. Yeah, that's and right. we started to pray against it. And I just remember like that was one of the scariest few hours of our life. Mm-hmm. I remember our pediatrician coming in and um, stepping in and realizing some mistakes have been made and kind of taking over your care and getting it back on track. And um, yeah, that was scary. But just to see how God was so faithful to our mm-hmm. family. And then weren't the Cubs in the playoff? They were. They that were year? in the playoffs that year. And so we all pa- would pack into your hospital room and cheer the Cubs on and cheer you on and they that hospital staff probably thought, good grief, get this family out of here. They we are so some, many. Yeah. <laughs> we broke some rules for sure. Well, yeah, I think it's a testament to how close we all are because I think the limit was six people total in the room, and that uh-huh. included the patient and nurses. Yeah, and nobody passed eight p.m. I right. believe. Yeah, uh, a Cubs game ended at, I think at like eleven p.m. and we had like twenty four people in yeah. that room. Yeah. yeah, and they they tried to kick everybody out at one point, and I think, we just brought them food. Yeah, I think Matthew them. or Isaac looked at them. Basically, like, don't you dare. Yeah. yeah. We, we are not leaving. You will drag us out one by one. That's right. Oh, my goodness. So recently, we were on the baseball field with my son and one of his coaches. I heard him say, that kid is Stephen Bennett's nephew. <laughs> and I don't even know what the context was that was happening on the field. What might that I, mean, Stephen? Yeah, what does that mean? You know, I would like to think it was just the overwhelming talent and, <laughs> and the spunk and the panache he played the game with. Uh, I don't think it was the talent, unfortunately. He's, <laughs> he's a better ball player than I am. Um, I believe the coach was one of my old high school teachers, and so I like to think it means he had a lot of life out there yes. and was loving the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it probably goes back to that sarcasm tilt a little mm-hmm. bit. And a Maybe little bit, the amount of talking that he loves to do. A little bit of Bennett yeah. sass, yeah. <laughs> but, That's so funny. Okay, so um, you mentioned this, but you just graduated college. Do you feel like you learned anything about yourself over the last few years? I don't think there's a lot of things to directly point to concretely. I grew up a lot. Just general maturity. Um, I'm a completely different person than I was, than I went um, in my faith and in in how I treat people um, and in how serious I take my relationships. I think that's one of the biggest things. you really learn in what ways you fail to treat people well when mm-hmm. you live with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend every minute of every day when you're not in class with these same 10 guys. Mm-hmm. And they start to get on your nerves. And it's a lot, you know, like like at work, where you start to view them as just the person that's always there or something. It can be hard to view them as the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and you stop loving them actively, I think. Mm-hmm. It's from... Uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov, there's a, a portion where he talks about active love and how, you know, love and dreams is kind of easy and it wants immediate action and, and it wants gratitude for it. But active love is persistent and a battle and mm. it's hard. And you learn that you have to do that, I think, when you are at school and away from the people that have loved you your whole life and people that you're learning to become friends with and learning to love for their faults and mm-hmm. all of their all their uh, faults and the, the good things in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things. It's just, it's just how you treat people. And um, you're also in a point where you are using people a lot. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that in a bad way, but you're trying to make connections and you're trying to mm-hmm. network and set these things up. So you have to learn to view those people as both 
a resource and something that you can gain something from Mm -hmm. while not taking advantage of them and Mm. forgetting that they're an individual too and that they're not just some guy that graduated from your school Mm. that works at this company you want to work for but Mm. you know someone to be valued somebody to be valued and somebody to learn about and i think when you do that they can actually help you more but -hmm. it's really easy to get in that selfish track of what can you provide for me how can you help further this goal i have um and it's 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 hard to get out of that and it's hard to ignore that but i think college has taught me to hopefully be a little bit better at that so much wisdom. It's incredible. It, not <laughs> only just for someone who's in school, but those are life lessons life that you take yeah. into every relationship. And when you think about coworkers, when you think about your spouse and your kids, mm-hmm. like that, what was that term you use? Active? Active love. Active love. Like that, that is what it's about. Yes. I just start thinking about my own relationships and like, yes, that's... Yeah. That's such a good term. Did you make that up? No, it uh, it comes from uh, The Brothers Karamazov, which is a book by uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. And I think Haley actually oh. used this exact okay. quote in her podcast, okay. but it's it's good enough and I want it to come to come back because uh, it's, it's incredible. Uh, this is one of the elder monks in the story uh, speaking to a woman who basically said that she has a hard, it's easy for her to love some people and not others, or okay. it's easy to her. It's easy for her to love in the abstract. I love mankind, uh, but oh, when yeah. I see this, I have trouble oh, loving yeah. this person. Yes, uh, and it says active love is a harsh and fearful thing compared to, compared with love and dreams. Love and dreams thirsts for immediate action, quickly performed, and with everyone watching. Indeed, it will go as far as giving even with one's life, provided it does not take too long, but is soon over, as on stage and everyone is looking on and praising. Whereas active love is labor and persistence, and for some people, perhaps a whole science. Mm. And it's, I remember the first time I read that, and we were reading a huge chunk of the book that night, and I, so I was just kind of skimming everything, and I read it, and I kind of went back, and I was like, wow, that's, Mm. that's, that's all of it. That's how you treat people. That's, that's what you should live your relationships by. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really easy to have love and dreams or love and abstract. And it's really, really hard to love actively. Um, Whether it's somebody that you're incredibly close with, it's incredibly hard to love your family or your best friends or significant other actively. And it's even harder to love strangers or your enemies actively. Mm -hmm. And that's really convicting. And it's something that I think we should all always kind of keep on our minds. And I I struggle with it very, very much. Mm -hmm. I get tied up in my own life and what I'm doing. But whenever you can go back to that and realize that, it gives you an opportunity to both make somebody else's life better, um, but it also, you know, brings you closer to the Lord and it just, it puts you in a better place Mm -hmm. mentally and Mm -hmm. emotionally and spiritually. Mm -hmm. I love that you are saying that because I think it's very easy for us to say like, well, we love people or we're in the people business. But when it comes down to it, that that's nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. That's usually if you're in the people business Mm -hmm. and you really mean it, it's like trench work. You know, you don't. You don't get in there in the trenches with people and it always be pretty. It gets messy and hard. Right. And there are a lot of times when you don't know how to handle a certain situation, but that's what that's what active love is. Mm-hmm. And it's it reminds me so much of what God tells, you know, what are we supposed to do? Love God, love people. Mm-hmm. I think it's significant that he put people right after he put himself. Like love me and then love the people around mm-hmm. you. And yeah. I think I don't think it's that like you said, that abstract love. I think it's that that act yeah. of love. I uh my sophomore year I lived with a, a guy named Jake. He actually just got married and I, I gave a toast at his wedding and the second day we lived together I walked in and we shared a dorm room together, so we just had one room 
and he was writing something on the whiteboard. Um, and at the time, he wasn't an overly, I would say he wasn't an overly religious person. He would have called himself a Christian. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, theological things and faith and these things. But um, I would say we were both at a relatively complacent time in our faith. And he was writing on our mirror. He said, he said love God, love people, and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, this is our motto for the year. So we're going to do that. these three things. Um, and that do stuff is cool because it means both have fun, enjoy life, and it also means love actively. Yeah. In loving God and loving people, do stuff to do it. Do it actively. Um, mm-hmm. And I gave that as his toast at his wedding, and it was, it was really cool because to have seen him grow in that and to mm-hmm. see the opportunities that arise when you do all three of those things. And you can't really have any of them without the other. They, they go together. Which is the very point of the gospel. Like, right. very simply put, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Uh, I might steal that. Is that okay? Absolutely. It's it's not his either. Okay. I, I, it's, I, it might be Bob Goff, actually. I don't know. Oh, it but, sounds Goff. like Bob Goff. Yes. But, but he, he took it from somewhere, so yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I, I feel like I need to have that printed and put it in my, in my home I love somewhere that. and tell so my kids good. daily mm-hmm. and myself. So good. Oh, man. So having grown up in as the baby of our family, so we were raised in a very faith-driven home, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was never question like we always knew that mom and dad were for us god was for us jesus was a huge part of our life but then you have the opportunity to switch courses to go to college to start kind of paving your own way and creating your own belief system how has the last few years kind of helped shape your faith yeah absolutely i i remember at the end of high school feeling like i was in a really really good faith spot um I know you guys know my my buddy Luke that actually just got married recently. I remember in one of the very last nights that we were in town before we went off to our freshman year, we were sitting on the roof out at the old Edgewater house, which we weren't supposed to do. Um, (laughs) And we were just talking about faith and what it was going to be like in college. And I said something to the effect of, um, you know, I'm going to a place where it's going to be really easy to foster my faith. Hillsdale is um, not necessarily a, a Christian school. It is a Christian school. There's no faith statement. There's no mandatory chapel. Faith's very important to a lot of people there. Um, and he was going to U of I, and he goes, you know, it's going to be really, really hard for me. And in four years, especially in our first two years, I saw him grow tremendously in his faith, whereas mine backslid some. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say it backslid in in things I was even necessarily really struggling with or in in actions a ton or in belief, I just grew incredibly complacent. Mm. Um, you know, complacency is, is, is death and, and, Mm. you know, a lot of ways. And I think that's true in life. I think that's true in faith. And I got to a point where, um, you know, my Bible collected quite a bit of dust and, Mm. and Sundays were kind of when I actually lived out my faith and even then not sometimes. Mm And, uh, and it was never, it was never anything, malicious or I never had this thought of I just don't know if I believe this it mm. just it just lost a foothold mm. and it was wasn't really a big part of my life um was it because you were so busy and consumed with this new life with pursuing all the study and all of that I think it was partly that yeah um and I think it was partly the fact that I didn't want to work at it mm. um I didn't want to give it the time uh any relationship I think is work obviously uh, I've been able to see that with my older siblings and, and, and their relationships and their marriages, and in a good way, you, you have to work at it. Uh, but I think it's true with our relationship with Christ. And I was not willing to give it that. 
and um and it led to some really dark places for me just mentally and just i i actually in my uh, my junior year the winter break of my junior year i got the opportunity to go to israel and it was incredible and it was the time in my life that i can remember being the most profoundly sad mm-hmm. and the most profoundly beat up and and i just realized that the only way for me to get out of that feeling and and my I guess my struggles with my faith are interesting because they manifest themselves in the way of thinking, like, I hope I'm wrong. I -hmm. hope this isn't real because of, you know, necessarily what it might mean for for some of humanity. And and it's hard to get yourself back in that grace lens Mm -hmm. because that's what the gospel message is, is it's not a message of punishment. It's a message of Grace, the punishment's mm-hmm. been earned, and oh, the grace yeah. is given, not yeah. the other way around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that time, I just realized that I had to be in, more intentional about it. Um, my relationship with Haley's been very, very good with that. She she forces me to answer a lot of questions, and she forces me to not be complacent in it. Because if I'm complacent in it, she can easily call me out on that and say, hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why is this? Why do you believe this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it forces me to think of that. To answer um, the question, why do I actually believe this? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so unique. And I think this is worth mentioning because so Haley is in a journey of finding her faith. Yeah. And she wants to find it, but she's been very thorough and mm-hmm. c- consistent in pursuing that. And so at this point, she wouldn't even say yet that she is a Christ follower. Um, and that's something you guys are very aware of. So how unique that is to have someone who's not even actively following Jesus be the one that's pushing you and going like, but hey, but you are a Christ follower. So that's what this means. That's so unique. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a testament to how we as Christians and especially myself of of how we can get in that groove of just being Christians and not becomes ordinary, becomes ordinary and, and not seeking what we really believe and and what the value is in that and what its merit is and just saying, oh, we believe this. Mm-hmm. Where then you get somebody who is searching and who is really trying to, to drive into these things. She's she's an English major. She's a reader. She's incredibly smart. She doesn't take things lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to have somebody that forces you to not take it lightly and somebody that I guess kind of reminds you how important it is. It's mm-hmm. it's the most important thing and a lot of times we kind of treat it, you know, like, like breakfast. Like, yeah. oh, sometimes I eat breakfast, but sometimes I don't. But I can make it to lunch. I'm yes. fine. And, and it, it's not that. It's the most important yeah. thing that we could possibly have going for us. Yeah. Um, and so that's been incredible. You know, she and I found a really, we kind of changed church homes up there. And it was, my complacency was in no way a result of my original church home up there. Not, not at all. Um but we found another church that we, we really liked and we really liked the pastor there. Um, and it was just a good fit for us and had been really good for us. So. so do you think that part of this was sort of you just finding your own way, your own faith system, because I think, or belief system, because I think that's so important for, especially for those of us who've been raised in Christian homes or raised in the church, it's easy to just go along with it because it's what we've always known. And almost like we have to, I mean, I, I even remember going through a season where I had to go, okay, what is my belief system? Yeah. Not my parents. Like, what do I, as, a, as an adult now, believe? And what am I going to walk in? Because I'm the one that has to answer for my choices and for my belief system. Yeah. Do you think that was part of it for you? Yeah, I think that was a large part of it. And, and I think 
part of the problem is I had thought I had done that in high school. Ah. I, I had this idea of I'm going into college with my own system set and I know what this is. Mm -hmm. And I, I hadn't really. I'd uh -huh. kind of done it on the surface and I yeah. hadn't challenged some of these very core beliefs that I held and, you know, looked at them in, in theological senses. And, and, you know, Christianity is funny because it's so simple yeah. and it's so complex. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had kind of examined the simple part of it and uh -huh. accepted the simple part and wasn't prepared to be confronted with the complex. Uh -huh. So then when I was confronted with the complex, it was like, this becomes, I don't want to say an academic exercise because faith is not an academic exercise, but you do have to at times defend it in that manner yes, and defend sure. the reason behind it. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't ready to do that. And mm -hmm. so I had to do that for sure to myself first mm -hmm. than I could to anybody else. You got to um, know your stuff. Yeah. And the only way you do that is to know what's written in the book, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And so that's the, the complacency thing is definitely how my struggles manifest themselves and continue to, and mm -hmm. I think always will. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's something I will always struggle with. Um, and, but it's been good to try to realize that about myself mm -hmm. and try to find ways to combat it as best I can. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the, you know, help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I believe help me overcome my yes. unbelief. And that was certainly where I was at mm -hmm. and often am time at times still. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to not doubt sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you know, the disciples doubted and mm -hmm. it's, it's. In one way, it's good company to be in, and mm -hmm. in another way, it's like, but it's not a good place to be in. Right. They were criticized for it. Yeah. Um, so it's that's where it's been, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important that because you do know the area that you can tend to have weakness in, mm -hmm. that helps you be able to recognize it and overcome it. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people just want to um, gloss over their weakness and just pretend it doesn't exist. And so often that is what ends up taking them down, if you will, yeah. is ignoring it. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that manifests itself in in our everyday life too, and yeah. in our everyday relationships. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not married. I I don't plan to be married on on the near horizon. But even just in a friendship, mm -hmm. you can see the issue that you have, and it would be hard to confront it. But it's a lot harder to not confront it. Yeah. And it's it's like it's like a thread on a shirt that you don't cut off, and it unravels, and all of a sudden you don't have a shirt. Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting how our relationship with Christ and our relationship with the Lord is reflected in our relationship with everybody we meet. Yes. Um, and it doesn't matter if you spend five seconds with them in your entire life or every day. Yeah. Uh, you have to take the same principles to it. Yes. I think that was really good for me to see. Yeah. That's so good. And I love the, you just keep bringing it back to also how we treat people because that really is such a reflection of our hearts. Yes. You know, um, we say here all the time in our family, like, if you're not treating people well, if you're not loving people well, you're probably not loving Jesus well mm -hmm. either. And That's people right. see that. Yeah. Um, it's your, really your number one witness is how yeah. you treat people. Is there anything you wish you had known going into college? I wish I would have known how quick it was going to go. Everybody mm -hmm. tells you that and everybody says it goes fast. Um, but you're living with all your best friends and you see them every day and you hang out every day and you're in this period of life where you just get to learn and that's I, I know i've touched on it earlier but it's an incredible gift it's your job is to uh learn and to fulfill your your knowledge more and uh, i went to a liberal arts school they're very passionate about um, education making you a, a more full human being and that's just 
a really incredible gift. You get four years to just do that and to read these books that you're never going to get another chance to read and to uh, you know, study these economics graphs that you're never going to get to study and just the theory of these things that you know, you don't think about why there's so many kinds of cereal at the grocery store until you <laughs> take this class and you're like, wow, that's so cool. And everything kind of becomes academic and yeah. everything becomes a lesson in the real world or in the classroom. And then that's over in a blink mm -hmm. of an eye. And so yeah. I wish I had taken advantage of it a little bit more, yeah. really uh, appreciated it a little bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that would say that was the biggest thing. And, and, and I guess just in how you have to foster your relationships so quickly. Yeah. It's four years and it's four years with summers off and breaks off. And it seems like you have a ton of time with these people and you don't. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to take advantage of that mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. It sounds so much like parenting, mm -hmm. you know, like everything is a teaching moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it goes so quickly. Like yeah. you, w people say like, watch out, it's going to go fast. Yeah. And then you realize seven years have gone by and you're like, where did they go? Mm -hmm. Where, where are those years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like you're on the fast track to having great lessons in parenting. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> we know you're loving this show with our little brother, Stephen. Isn't he awesome? We just really adore him. We want to take a quick break and share about a couple of our sponsors. Heidi and I are so appreciative that people jump on board with us and say, we believe in the H&H &H Hour and we want to get behind you and we want to help you make this possible by just adding a little bit of something to your show and for your listeners. So first, we want to thank Josiah Candler. He's actually our cousin. Shout out, Josiah, what's up, cuz? He's so fun and cool. And go follow him on Instagram because he's got lots of cool stuff to add on there. But he also is a distributor for Young Living Essential Oils. He is offering a couple of really cool things for us, um, for you as the H&H &H listener. First of all, he is offering a $25 cashback discount to anyone who purchases their first wellness box if they mention that they heard it on the H&H &H Hour. So to connect with him and find out how you can earn this and get this cashback discount, connect with him through his Instagram account or the web address that we've linked in our show notes on iTunes. Just scroll down a little bit from the on the details page on iTunes and you'll find all of those details. His Instagram is at... Josiah Candler, candle with an R. Also, he's offering such a fun giveaway. He is going to give away to one of our listeners a Thieves Cleaner. Now, if you've never used Thieves Cleaner before, you are seriously missing out. It is a wonderful concentrate that you can use on all different types of services in your home, whether it be in your bathroom or on your kitchen counters or spot cleaning or dusting or whatever you want to use it for. And there are no strong chemicals, no harsh chemicals, so you know it's safe to use around your kids too. So he is giving away a whole Thieves Cleaner to one of our listeners. In order to be a part of this giveaway, you have to go over to our Instagram account, the H&H Hour, and find all the details there on this episode's post. We also want to thank Zeller Electric. They've been with us for quite a few episodes now, and we're so grateful for them jumping on board. Zeller Electric is local right here to Central Illinois, so if you're listening and you're local, take advantage of this offer. It's phenomenal. Zeller Electric has been family-owned and operated for almost four decades, and they bring the latest and greatest in electrical technology, backed by integrity, safety, and dependability. And mamas at home, you know you want somebody you can count on, right? When they're coming to your door to fix your electrical problems, you want to know that you can depend on them. If you like them on Facebook and you mention this podcast, The H&H &H Hour, you'll receive 10% off of your first visit. 
They can light your basements. They can help you with those outdoor patio lights. I've got a couple outside at my house that those things need to get fixed. They have been out for far too long. So make sure you check them out at zeller-electric.com and mention the H&H Hour so you get your discount. So you're off to law school. Law school, yeah. In a few weeks, which is just makes us so proud. Mm-hmm. So congrats. Thank you. Um, do you want to share your LSAT score? Uh, I do not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would share it if I knew what it was, but I can't I remember. I just know that it is very high. <laughs> Super high. Um, we're so proud of you for that. Thank you. Um, so what led you down that path? I wanted to be a professional baseball player. <laughs> And I couldn't hit a curveball or a fastball, and my arm wasn't very good, <laughs> and I have to wear glasses, <laughs> and so that wasn't going to happen. Um, but I love baseball. It's you know I, I tell people often, earthly outside of my friends and my family, there's nothing I love more you know on this earth, and it's I think it's a beautiful game, and it's brought my family so close in a lot of ways. You haven't even mentioned your team, the Cubs. It goes without saying, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But I thought, how is a way I can stay in this? And what's a way that I can love going to work every day? Hmm. Because I really don't want to not enjoy my job. And I don't want to be looking forward to retirement necessarily Mm. for retirement's sake, Mm. just to be done with my job. Hmm. Um, And so I figured if there's ever a time to chase a pipe dream it's when i'm 22 and nobody's counting on me and if i fail i can go live in my parents basement for a couple years and (laughs) or mine yeah um and so i want to go be a baseball agent um i want to represent these young players um and the best way to do that is to go to law school okay Um, all the biggest agents are attorneys um that way you can write their contracts and negotiate their contracts and i think there's something that these that young players respect about a guy walking up and saying Hey, I'm, you know, so-and-so. I graduated from this law school and I want to be your agent rather than somebody just saying, Hey, I'm so-and-so. I want to be your agent. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, with that, I would actually love to, this is kind of where it goes really crazy. I would love to spend a couple years after law school uh, in Latin America somewhere. So Mm -hmm. either in the Dominican or in Puerto Rico, um, signing and scouting young players. Um, There's a lot of greed that goes on in that industry a Mm. lot um both on the agent side of things and just in in sports in general whenever there's that much money sure centric around something especially when it's entertainment driven there's going to be a lot of greed and a lot of people taking advantage of um but for a lot of these young latin american players it's their way out it Mm. is their way to succeed succeed and they've spent their life playing this game but they need somebody to kind of help them traverse the waters of the, of the minor leagues and contracts and everything. Mm. And they just want to play baseball. And so that is a long answer to say I decided on law school and high school because I wanted to stay in baseball. That is so cool. It is really cool. I have never heard a more awesome answer about someone pursuing a career. I know. That is incredible. Thank you. Well, and I think it's so unique that the way God has wired your view of people Mm-hmm. That that is your that is your career path, but that is your passion, is mm-hmm. seeing people, loving people, helping people, serving people, and um, and you you have such an attitude of extreme gratitude. If mm-hmm. if there's something mom says about you all the time, mm-hmm. it's Stephen is so grateful. Mm-hmm. You know, you she makes you a meal and you thank her five times for it. Mm-hmm. Genuinely mm-hmm. thank her. 
And um, I think it's interesting that you, you're just grateful for this love of the sport and mm-hmm. God's letting you use it in a way mm-hmm. that um, is going to provide for you and your family down the road. Right. Well, and I don't want it to sound too selfless. Like I'm just going down there to help these kids because one, it'd be something I would love to do. I mean, spending a day of work is negotiating a contract and going to the ballpark. Uh, and two, there is a lot of money to be made in it if yeah, you sure. can, if you can succeed. So yeah. it's not, it's not like I'm taking some kind of low paying, yeah. you know, just yeah. going to do public service yeah. work. Um, but I do think it'd be really exciting. And I think it's a way you can, can help some people in the industry where there's a lot of greed and also, you know, do well for yourself. And, um, and it's honestly, okay for Christ followers to do well for themselves. Yeah. yeah. We, we have to be good stewards of what we're given, That's certainly. Right. Um, That's right. and it's. It's a lot of pressure, and you have to. If you can get to that point, you have to do well with it. But yeah, I certainly don't want it to seem like I'm going to do all this pro bono and not make anything <laughs> and live in a hut or anything like that. That's not the goal. You're smart. We had no doubts. Yeah. So I've got two little guys coming up in the ranks. So keep your eye on them. I got them because they love the sport. I got oh them. my goodness. Free and, representation. Okay, sounds good. Can <laughs> I get that in in writing? Absolutely. Okay, because we've got it on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Well, Stephen, thank you for sharing this hour with us and your story and your heart. Thanks for having me. It's a really beautiful heart that you have. Yes, it is. And as your big sisters, we're so proud of you and so excited to see your journey Mm -hmm. over the next few years and Mm -hmm. how God leads you. Thank you. Cheering wildly, maybe sometime to your embarrassment. Never. I don't think I we can. I don't think we can embarrass them. I was just say you parted the Red Sea in a sporting <laughs> event. So if you embarrass yourself, nobody else can embarrass you. It's <laughs> true. You have to be your biggest fan and the person that embarrasses you the most. <laughs> That's really good. Maybe you could help my son understand that. <laughs> He'll get there. Yeah. Oh man, what a fun hour! Yeah, I've loved this chat. Me too. Well, thank you for listening. Um, we're so excited that you did. We hope that you have really leaned into these conversations with Stephen. I think even if you're not a 20-something, he said so many things Mm -hmm. full of so much Mm -hmm. wisdom that, you know, as a parent uh, more than 10 years older than Stephen sitting on this side of the microphone, I'm remembering like, okay, these are such good truths. Yeah. You know, I just heard it over and over and over and over in his words is notice people. People. Love people. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're a high school student, a college student, you know, a young adult, a mom, a dad, retired, a, a leader, yeah. you know, the boss, like yeah. notice people. Yeah. And when we do, when we stop long enough to notice who's in front of us, yeah. we really can make a significant difference in their lives. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, this huge thing that we do. It can be very simple things every day that we notice in people. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram. All of our show notes for this episode will be on iTunes. Mm -hmm. We'll even tag the book that he mentioned and a couple of the things that he talked about. Um, And our sponsors will be on there as well. So we are so grateful that you listen and we will talk to you next time.